Good evening, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you here once again. Thank you for joining me in the chat. I am going to try to maintain a positive outlook this evening because I was scrolling Facebook, which I know is not to be advised at all. There's Dip. You can see him in the corner over there. He's no doubt licking himself. He is not family friendly and he's not modest, but he's here behind me anyway to keep you all entertained. There's his tail, his dipped tail. Um, I was scrolling Facebook and I came across a name that I didn't recognize. So I clicked it and I was like, who is this person? Why am I friends with them? And I was like, holy cow, this is the girl that I did speech and debate with when I was a teenager. Okay. So when we were 14 and 15, we were debate partners and her dad was actually the debate coach for our team for our little club where we went and we talked about debate theory and we talked about the best strategies for winning debates. And I was looking at her picture and I was like, she has been dipped in the woke pond. Her hair is all different colors. She looks sad. Her face is broken out. She's gained a lot of weight. And it just made me think, well, first of all, it made me think how many of my other Facebook friends are in the same boat. So I went and I went through my friends list and I was like, okay, so this person's straight, this person's straight, this person looks happily married, this person has kids. I was like mentally checking off my Facebook friends and being like, okay, good, 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 sane, sane, sane. Then I came across a few that are like, one who was always kind of liberal, she's like posting pro-abortion stuff on her page. She has a child now, but apparently that hasn't tempered her pro-abortion stance. And then there's another who has decided she's queer which is interesting. And she's talking about using assistance devices, like stuff that handicapped people need. And I'm like, she's not handicapped in any way. At least she never was when we were growing up. She was perfectly fine and fit and stable and everything, but she has the shaved head too. She has the colored hair. And the more I look at this, the more I'm like, there has to be a common thread here. The only thing I could come up with for these people who are falling into the woke ocean is that they have poor relationships with their mothers. Now, as someone who is rapidly approaching being a mother, uh, technically I already am, but I'm not technically taking care of that little person yet. Uh, as someone with motherhood on their horizon, like active motherhood, this made me very concerned. Um, I really don't like it. I will say I, st I also don't have the best relationship with my mother. She and I... Um, kind of diverge on a lot of different topics. She's a very religious person. She's very, she had a definite plan for my life that I was not willing to go along with. Um, and she did not like that very much. And she and I have never really seen eye to eye on a lot of that stuff. Adrian, thank you. I'm so glad you're in the chat. Thank you for your super chat. She says you are glowing. I'm glad to hear that. I have a little bit of heartburn. So hopefully I'm able to keep my voice for this whole conversation. Um, so I don't know if it's a relationship with mom, but that seems like a huge factor, especially for girls. I think that a relationship with mom and a relationship with dad are both uniquely important in very different ways. So hopefully Andy and I will be, be able to provide that really strong family background that makes kids not want to flee to the woke pond. And I hope that this wokeness goes away by the time our kids are old enough to think about it. I really do, but I'm not sure. Because if it's not this one mind virus, it's going to be another one. So that's just one peek into the current events. And I wanted to show you guys this video because if I had to watch it, you do too. So here we go. Tell me what's wrong with this video. 
Okay, so my first question with videos like this is why? Why do we have videos like this on the internet? Who is looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, you know what the world really needs right now is a video documentation of everything that I, this glowing specimen of a human being, this embodiment of this paragon of human perfection, they need to know what I eat in a day, probably so that they can look like me. Um, and I don't see healthy fit people doing this as much as I see, although maybe those aren't as outrageous as these ones. These tend to be the kind of ones that get the, the rage views and like the shock views. Um, I just, I guess I don't know what would possess someone to post a video of everything they eat. Holy cow. Bree says only in America. Yeah. I see a lot of different issues here. Um, she's not drinking any water. She's taking small things that she probably thinks are relatively low in calories, but she's just constantly eating them instead of actually having like a set meal time. So I feel like you could spend a lot of time dissecting, dissecting exactly what she's doing wrong. But at the end of the day, if you just look at what she's eating, the Cheetos and even the Belveda cookies, these aren't high quality foods. They're coated in food coloring. My dad always used to say that the modern like Doritos chip was a a marvel of modern science, like modern chemistry, because it tricks your brain into wanting more. It's brightly colored. It smells good. It has the right crunch. It has the right flavor. I feel bad for people like this because it's very, very easy to become addicted to American food for a reason. My dad was really onto something when he said that the Amer- the modern American diet is comprised of all these different components that are, um, they're just chemical. Like, and I don't say that as, as a bad thing. I know that everything's chemical, but at the end of the day, all of this stuff really is developed in a lab to make you want to eat more of it because this is how they make their money, right? The other thing too is that there's no motivation. One of the interesting things that I was thinking about when I was reading up on intermittent fasting was that it doesn't benefit any company for you to not eat food. It only benefits you. So no one is promoting the idea of eating at certain times in a certain time frame. And I think that's honestly probably really better for you than any of this nonsense. This is just bad. I mean, look at the person bringing us this message and say, do I want to look like that person? Yes. And I'm going to eat exactly like she does. It doesn't look like that much. There's like a breakfast sandwich. There's a Fruit Loop bar. There's Belvita crackers. There's Coke. There's um, uh, Cheetos. My goodness. It's just, <sighs> this is really frustrating to me, especially because I also know that even if you do try to eat healthier, you'll still run into issues with additives and everything. So I think that people tend to, people tend to look at someone like this and just say things like, she just needs to eat less. And that might be true, but there are a lot of different factors that we should probably be considering before we pass judgment. First of all, is that once you reach a certain size, then your appetite grows to match it. You require a higher number of calories to sustain that. And it's just all around not good. I will say that I think the American standard American diet, SAD, appropriately abbreviated, is just a recipe for death and disaster. So stay away from it if you can. I was reading today that aspartame has finally been called out as potentially carcinogenic by the World Health Organization. I've known for a long time that aspartame is really bad for you. It hasn't stopped me for, from eating it probably as much as it should have because I appreciate pop, but I'm not going to drink regular pop. So when I was losing weight, I really appreciated Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi, and those diet drinks. Let's retweet Andy real fast here. Please retorp me, he says. 
Drag Queen Story Hour is streaming live tonight. Tucker, I... Tucker, I hardly knew her. He's been making these jokes a lot, (laughs) more than he probably should, but it's all good at the end of the day because he is a dad and he has to practice those dad jokes. Anyway, try not to eat the standard American diet, but I will point out that we have lost nutrients in our fruits and vegetables too. So that makes it very hard to rectify the issue and our eggs don't contain as many nutrients as they should, especially eggs that come from factory farms. And then, um, We have issues with our meat. We're going to be getting mRNA vaccines on our meat before too long here. And of course, our water is fluoridated. It's very challenging, right? And it's easy to lose hope. But calorie restriction is the way to go. They came out with a study recently that was talking about how calorie restriction is as effective, if not more so, than intermittent fasting. So I can definitely recommend that because that's how I lost and maintained lost weight over the course of several years um, before I got on that medicine again and then got pregnant. So let's read about this other horror of modern life, and then we'll move on to the actual news. Beware of the AI-fitted teddy bears. Scary gadgets could read children personalized bedtime stories using private details they've overheard. A leading toy maker claims, oh, wow, isn't the future fun? Asian firm VTech has already released smart toys like cameras and walkie-talkies. Now the chief executive thinks AI-enabled teddy bears will be released by 2028. No, please. Thank you. Alan Wong, co-founder of Toymaker VTech, thinks teddies will be fitted with an AI that will offer an alternative to parents reading to their kids. Like a cross between Chat, GPT, and Furby. Oh, horrifying. Both of them in different ways. The toy would listen to everything the child says and use the data to create personalized bedtime tales just for them. AI-enabled teddies will likely be available in 2028, although he admitted the possibility of smart tech uh, the possibilities of smart tech are a little scary. You don't say. So you're telling me that replacing a parental bedtime story with a stuffed animal that looks like a Furby and sounds like ChatGPT might be a little bit scary, a little bit weird, a little bit edgy? Yeah, you don't say. That's shocking. Let's see what their conclusion is because I'm grossed out by this and I don't like it and I will not allow my children anywhere near this stuff. This is absolutely nuts. Okay, so there's a blurb of information. Google scrambled to come up with Bard. Uh, which was given a limited release in March before a global release last month, and it performed better than its rival, ChatGPT, when the two were tested by Mail Online. As well as ChatGPT and Bard, there's my AI built into social media app Snapchat, UChat from US search engine U.com, and Ernie Bot from Chinese company Baidu. So watch out for this AI stuff. I know that ChatGPT is kind of interesting, but if you are not careful, they will be able to use it to get your data. Ask Andy about that because he knows more than I do. I'm just kind of talking out of my ear. So that's disturbing. Don't buy your children these teddy bears. Don't feed your children this food. This is horrifying. And don't let your kids go woke so that other people don't have to scroll through their Facebook friends list and be like, holy cow, what happened to the world? What is going on? Tucker Carlson. And good news, Tucker Carlson is raising cash to start his own media company after being fired by Fox News. And he could enlist help from his ousted staffers who were laid off this week. That's awesome. I'm very excited. Tucker Carlson smacks it out of the park every single time he uploads a video to Twitter. So I have to say, I think this is going to be hugely successful. I think his last video, I can never be sure, but I think he probably got about 15 million views on his last video. In fact, let's go over here and see if we can find it. Uh, If we can, I don't remember if it's actually his account, if he has a secondary one. Tucker Carlson. Let's see. <clears throat> what do we got? Oh, it doesn't say really. 
12.9 million views. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So he's doing really, really well. So every time he uploads one of these, it does incredibly well. This last one is crazy. He gets into wild stuff and I'm so glad he actually has this platform to talk about this stuff because someone needs to discuss it. Someone needs to take this stuff seriously. This isn't just conspiracy anymore, especially after COVID. It's like, we know that a lot of this stuff is true. We know that it, the the conspiracies are coming true. There was some webcomic that was saying the world's going to run out of, you know, conspiracy theories within the next few years if we don't come up with some new ones because they're all coming true. Carlson previously co-founded the conservative media startup, The Daily Caller. Love The Daily Caller. They do good stuff over there. Ousted Fox host Tucker Carlson is reportedly raising capital to start his own media company several months after his abrupt firing from Fox, according to a news report. Let's see where this is from. This looks like it's from Puck.News. Interesting. I have never seen Puck.News. It's fascinating. Hmm. Oh, boy. Fascinating. <laughs> Celebrity gossip. The news arrives days after Fox CEO Suzanne Scott announces the network's new primetime lineup, which will feature Jesse Waters, assuming the 8 p.m. mantle vacated by Carlson. Jesse Waters is pretty popular, nowhere near as popular as Tucker Carlson. Scott's announcement also quietly indicated that the eight remaining staffers who used to work for Tucker's show will be shown the door by mid-July. That production team may soon be joining Carlson for his new endeavor, according to reporting by Puck's Dylan Byers. Carlson, who founded the conservative news group The Daily Caller after leaving CNN and before joining Fox, currently airs a show on Twitter. But questions on its financial outlook could have him looking to start a new media empire. The ratings-dominating host left Fox News in April in a shocking departure. The move cost him $20 million in yearly salary. Now Fox has threatened legal action against him, saying he has a non-compete clause up until the 20 until after the 2024 election. Very clever, very sneaky. Fox is a bunch of jerks. Here he is years ago apparently oh my gosh pardon me i swear i need to save my coffee for later in the day because i can't change the amount i think i just need to change the timing earlier in june two former carlson staffers uh both senior leadership for the show departed the network puck reported at the moment tucker's new endeavor appears to be posting sporadic monologues filmed at his house in maine to his twitter page and each episode is viewed by tens of millions that's right as rumblings about Carlson's official next steps grow louder, he will likely need a larger staff in addition to cash, which he's said to be raising from a number of wealthy conservative media investors. I can't see him having a hard time raising this money. He's a very persuasive, very interesting, very loquacious person, and I suspect he's great at parties, so he could certainly host all sorts of fundraising parties and have good stuff. The names of potential investors were not included in the report. If Carlson ends up launching a new media company, it would not be his first time at the helm of such a project. In 2010, Carlson and Neil Patel founded The Daily Caller, a conservative news site meant to rival publications like The Huffington Post. In 2020, Carlson sold his stake in The Daily Caller after several years of committing himself entirely to his nightly primetime show on Fox and ceding editorial responsibility at the media upstart. Carlson's shocking ouster from his incredibly successful primetime Fox show came after the company settled a massive $787.5 million lawsuit. That's the over half a billion dollars lawsuit with Dominion Voting Systems. Even then, the move puzzled many who thought Fox would never have backed down from a fight when it came from to their lucrative golden boy, who technically is still under contract. Earlier this month, the network touted this arrangement after Top Brass threatened to sue Carlson for violating his contract by way of the launch of a low-budget Twitter show that was watched by more than 80 million people. They're just mad because his show is doing better than their shows are. Sorry, guys. Sucks to suck. 
Lawyers for the media giant are said to have sent official correspondence to Carlson's legal team claiming the newscaster was, quote, in breach of his contract when he aired his new Twitter show. Carlson left his Fox News show on April 23rd with no official reason given for why the company left their most-watched anchor go. In the statement, Carlson's lawyer Brian Friedman argued uh, accused Fox executives of engaging in hypocrisy by silencing Carlson, pointing to how the company claims to defend the very existence of its very existence on freedom of speech grounds. That's right. Ironic, isn't it? Friedman reportedly argued that any legal action by Fox would be a direct violation of their client's First Amendment rights. Also true. It's likely that whatever new medium um, Carlson chooses, he will continue espousing his right of Fox News political assessment. Not hard to do, considering that they were forcing all their employees to go through these woke, like, reconditioning, like, brainwashing systems and using AI against them to measure how well it was training them and changing their brains. Absolutely wild stuff. Earlier this week, Carlson delivered a Tucker on Twitter monologue that in once again questioned the United States' ongoing involvement in Russia's war in Ukraine. He said Ukraine's war was pointless and that President Joe Biden was wasting billions of dollars to repay its debts to the oligarchs who financed their beach house in Rehoboth, a reference to Hunter Biden's lucrative work in Ukraine from 2014. It seems like there's a pretty significant downside to this particular foreign policy decision, starting with economic collapse and ending potentially with extinction. So is there a good reason we're doing it, he said. Well, there is a good reason. It's a great reason. It's the best reason. Frankly, it's the only reason Joe effing Biden needs. I think that's his middle name, right? And that is to get money into Joe Biden's pockets. You really can't argue with that. He showed clips of Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and Republicans like Senator John Cornyn, all declaring that it remains vitally important to support Ukraine in the face of Russian aggression in the name of democracy. In other words, we can have no democracy here if the Ukrainians aren't free, then neither are we, said Carlson. We must make sure they can vote in Kiev so we can continue to vote in Kansas City. It's really that simple. And yet tonight we regret to tell you that we have a problem. It looks like they're not going to be able to vote in Kiev anymore. And no, it's not Putin's fault. Carlson then aired a clip of Zelensky explaining the presidential election scheduled for 2024 could not be held while the war continued. Interesting, isn't it? So Zelensky can't be removed from power as long as they're at war, and Ukraine is unlikely to give up at any point in this war, and it doesn't matter what happens. Really interesting. Under Ukrainian law, an election cannot be held under martial law. That's right. So president has every incentive to maintain martial law. According to Ukrainian legislation, elections must be held in peacetime when there are no hostilities, he said when asked by the BBC whether Ukraine would hold presidential elections next year. Democracy in Ukraine seems to be suspended by the world's foremost democracy advocate himself, Field Marshal Zelensky. So when you have an election, well, he says if we win, we'll let people vote. Otherwise, no, you vote when we feel like it because ultimately we're completely in charge and make all the rules. How democratic. Your job is to obey or to be punished. That's our version of self-government. Self means me. I am the government. Now, that's not just any autocrat, Carlson continued. That's our chief ally in the war for democracy. This is the guy who just announced he's like, could you cancel next year's election? Carlson pointed out that Biden reiterated his support for Zelensky this week and said the U.S. president was one in the long line of leaders who have loved waging war over democracy in a bid to hang on to power. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Wars for democracy always cancel out democracy in the process. That's why our leaders love them. His remarks come amid rising tensions in Russia following Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's failed attempt at a coup over the weekend. So this article kind of went off the rails there, talking about Ukraine. Very interesting, though, and good points from Tucker's monologue from the other day. 
Andy and I are always waiting for his new Tucker on Twitter um, spots. Always looking for them and always looking to give him a few views. So that is really interesting stuff. I'm excited for Tucker. Excited to see what happens next. I can't wait. He is like a bright spot in this crazy dark outlook that we have right now. Um, our actual political leaders are not doing very well. I'm about to show you a horrifying video. No more horrifying than the first one we watched, but horrifying in a different way nonetheless. Let's see if we can find this here. Oh, good Lord. Okay, let's watch this video together. Let's stay strong. Where's the actual video? Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh my gosh, I thought they actually had the video with a bunch of losers. Well, in it, Joe Biden is supposedly doing an interview and taking questions from this lady. And partway through, he stands up and she reaches out her hand because it seems like the natural thing to do. Um, I think this is MSNBC. Yeah, MSNBC. Stands up to shake the hand of MSNBC's Nicole Wallace before exiting the studio while she was still on air. And I really wish I could show you this. You know what? We're going to go over to Twitter and see if we can find this real quick because, wow, it is fascinating. I really enjoyed watching it. Let's see. Joe Biden. I can never type when I'm trying to show you guys something. It's really annoying. Here we go. <laughs> Mr. President, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. It's great to have you. It's thank great to have you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. It's a very exciting she says don't go anywhere as her guest walks off the set her guest the president of the united states of america walks off the set while she instructs the audience to quote not go anywhere maybe she's hoping that he'll get the hint he doesn't it's like he just heard the ice cream truck i watched that meme version too that was hilarious this is the most awkward encounter i think i've ever seen he shakes her hand he's like yes okay yes very good very good. And then, uh, wanders off. Where is he going? Where is he going? Where does he go? Does he end up backstage? Does he run into a bunch of people like waving their arms? I'm like, no, 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 no. Why are you coming this way? What's wrong with you? This is the action of a very demented man. And I feel bad for him. Kind of, kind of, I kind of feel bad for him. I wish that he weren't in office. Um, but he is, so we have to figure out what to do with him. And watching this just makes it worse because he's so obviously so out to lunch. Um, I don't even think that... Uh, how are the Democrats going to run this guy in 2024? I genuinely don't know. I do not know. And I'm, I feel uncomfortable for them because I don't think this election is going to go the way they want. I believe they're going to put Newsom in Biden's place, but we'll have to see... Jill Biden is responsible for all this. Convinced Joe. Jill Biden convinced Joe to run again. Yes. How Jill Biden helped Joe get to yes on running for reelection at 80. This will be Jill, Jill Biden's fourth presidential campaign after eight years serving as a second lady. Over that time, she's become a part of the Biden political brand. Do you guys remember what they were saying about Casey DeSantis? They were calling her Lady Macbeths for supporting her husband. Giselle Fetterman, she's golden. She's great. She's John Fetterman's attachment to the regular person. She's a golden woman, the, the woman who makes his world turn. Jill Biden, same boat. These women who are telling their men, these handicapped, disabled men, to run for some of the highest offices in the land, they are considered fantastic female role models, true girl bosses. Look at these shoes on Jill Biden. Oh my gosh, so sassy. 
And I, that grosses me out on a very visceral level because I am a woman and I've seen what it looks like when ambitious women are trying to take power. It looks like Jill Biden. And I think that she flies a little bit under the radar and somewhat kind of the same way that Joe does. He seems nice, right? Seems really friendly. He seems like a grandpa. He is actively accepting bribes to undercut the United States of America from foreign powers, from literally our enemies, our most well-armed enemy and Ukraine, one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Let's read this. Privately, the first lady encouraged her husband to run again while giving him the space he needed to process the decision in a way he traditionally does with extensive deliberation, consideration of the burden it would place on his family, and a bit of the classic of Biden hemming and hawing. She was involved in all the high-level discussions around the decision, giving counsel when she felt it was necessary. What a saintly woman. Can you imagine if the shoe were reversed? If this were, for example, Melania Trump or Casey DeSantis or any of those other females who are giving feedback to Republican leaders. Stewart says, yes, Biden is following the ice cream truck. That is why he is so flaky. Indeed, it is. Here we go, though. Speaking of Lady Macbeth, she's usually in the room when senior campaign staff are presenting strategy to her husband. She will ask a question, but never weighs in on the decision. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I'm really glad that she's there, just a fly on the wall, just listening in, just being the, the powerful woman she is and helping Joe make all these fantastic decisions because he really does make the best decisions, right? I'm just... I'm so glad that the whole family is here and all six of Joe Biden. Oh, wait, no, seven. Joe Biden has seven grandkids. Did you know that? Because when the Bidens talk about their grandkids, when they put up the stockings at Christmas time, they put up six because they refuse to admit that one of their grandchildren even exists. Hunter Biden's daughter, Navy Joan. And they will not allow her to take on the Biden family last name in one of the skeeviest, most disgusting stances I've ever seen someone take. I tweeted about this earlier today. I said that Hunter Biden is one of the worst, most despicable. Just I was just insulting him left and right. Hunter Biden is a soulless, despicable human being from a conniving venal family with a track record of selling out Americans for foreign cash. He is actually the worst, and you cannot just say it's because he he was addicted to coke or crack or whatever it was he was doing in that stupid pipe, I don't know, meth or something. I don't know how you do drugs, injecting meth and snorting crack or something, who knows. Um, but this wasn't just that. This is him being a very bad person. This is just one example. Hunter Biden has settled the Arkansas child support case. As part of it, he will assign to the child a number of his paintings, which shall vary in size with a minimum size of 24 by 24 inches. Yeah, well, that's gross and disgusting. Uh, Mary says this is not news. This is a private matter and she gets roundly ratioed. I said it might have been private if Hunter hadn't been flying around the world with daddy picking up bags of money as bribes. Hunter chose to be famous. It was how he made money. And Joe calls himself a family man, but disowns his own granddaughter and allows this to happen to her. Very, very, very disgusting. These, this family in the White House is a bad, bad, bad family. And I don't say that merely on a political level. They pitch themselves as being very family friendly and nice and just generically kind and genuine. They are not. These are very bad people. Joe Biden has been lying and destroying people's lives for his entire time in politics, which is, I believe, at least almost 50 years, over 40 years for sure. He he has used Hunter heartlessly to bring in money for the family. Hunter has even texted, Hunter texted his own daughter about this and he said, I hope that it 
The pressure doesn't come on you to bring in the money for this family because believe me, it's not easy. That does not let him off the hook. He did not have to do this. He's a human being with his own autonomy. Just disgusting. And and to watch Joe Biden fall apart in front of us as all this corruption is coming out surrounding his son is just... It doesn't even feel like we're in a banana republic. It feels like we're not actually in a country. It feels like we're... It feels like we all fell asleep at the same time and we're now living in this strange, horrifying fever dream and I don't know how to make it better. The only thing that I can tell people to do is to focus on their own level, to look at their own communities, to try to engage with the people that their kids play with, engage with the other moms at soccer and all this other stuff. Go to the very personal level, go to the lowest level you can make friends, influence people, be kind, try not to talk politics too much. Don't worry too much about the federal politicians. These are terrible people, terrible, terrible people, and there is no, no fixing them. The only thing you can fix is at the low level, at the personal level and caring about what you can handle. It's a very stoic principle. Kanye Ron says, doesn't Hunter despise Jill? I'm not sure. I remember reading something about a text where he said he didn't like her. I think she's his stepmother, right? So that would probably explain some of that. But goodness gracious. It's kind of depressing. But at the end of the day, if we focus in on our own families and our own kids and our own churches and our own communities... We will be much better off than if we spend all our time worrying about the federal government. We just need to know what's going on so that we can combat the dishonesty that's coming out of the mainstream media. So I digress on that count. I'm going to close this article about Lady Macbeth. We're going to talk about a different kind of person who's being honored by the mainstream media. Dylan Mulvaney. I love beer and I always have. Breaking their silence on $20 billion Bud Light fiasco to excoriate the troubled brand for not standing by them. This is the pronoun I am assigning to Dylan Mulvaney and then claiming they have lost that can. Okay, so the can that caused all this controversy, despite saying they love beer and they always have, they now say that they have lost the can that started all this and they're blaming Anheuser-Busch for not standing by them. That is just chef's kiss, and I'm not at all surprised by this. Mulvaney has taken aim at the beer brand after staying silent on the fracas. Mulvaney said that Bud Light failed to support them amid the backlash for the March ad. It comes after Bud Light CEO was slammed for avoiding questions from CBS. Yes, slam them from all sides. I personally am delighted that Dylan Mulvaney is doing this. I think this is exactly what Anheuser-Busch deserves. I think that if you take this tack, you should get it from both sides, good and hard. I think you deserve all of it. I just cannot get over Donald Trump Jr. saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be boycotting Anheuser-Busch because after all, they do give money to the Trump campaign. Just say you're bought, man. Just say you're bought. That's not cool. I really, really have, I have such a huge issue with that because if you see something that the entire conservative side is saying and you're like, well, hold up, maybe we shouldn't do that because we need money. I appreciate the honesty. This is what I said before. I was like, hey man, thanks for telling us they give you their money. Guess what? You are now owned by them and you have to do pretty much what they say. So you'll be up in front of everyone saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't boycott them. Maybe it's better not to. Do you guys agree that maybe we shouldn't boycott Anheuser-Busch just because they gave some money to the Trump campaign? Because I certainly don't. I happen to know they've given money to a bunch of different political campaigns and lots of companies do this. Lots of companies want to give money to like everyone across the board just for the sake of appearing kind of bipartisan. They're not, but whatever. 
Speaking to their 1.8 million followers, Mulvaney said, I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me, but they never did. I've been scared to leave my house. Oh, no. For a company to hire a trans person and then not publicly stand by them is worse than not hiring that person at all. Because it gives customers permission to be as transphobic and hateful as they want. There should be nothing controversial or divisive about working with us. I've been ridiculed in public. I've been followed. And I felt a loneliness that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Here's the problem with lots of transgender people, as we were reading about the other day. It turns out that having this particular kind of mental upset tends to lend itself to other issues, too. I believe that Dylan Mulvaney has felt incredibly lonely. In fact, at times throughout this, I have thought, you know, it must be really tough to be in this position. Um, Dylan didn't necessarily ask for this kind of attention. I understand. But at the same time, if you want to be an activist, this is the kind of thing you have to be prepared for. You have to be extremely mentally strong before you say something like, hey, you know what? I'm an activist now. Throw it all at me. Give me your money. I will prance around for your brand and try to get people to buy your product. It's not going to work if you have a weak kind of sense of self-stability, which I really think that a lot of these troubled people have. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I feel bad for them and I wish wouldn't wish this on anyone. I wish that they weren't advertising for Anheuser-Busch and I wish also that they weren't so unsettled. Bud Light sales plunge after Mulvaney tie-up 21.4, 23.4, 23.6. 24, 24, 26, 28% since April. They've plunged like 7.7.1%. 7.1%. Oh no, more than that. Holy cow. Jeez, guys, this is crazy. And I'm not sure if this stacks onto itself or whatever. Week ended the sales drop 21.4 to 28.5%. That's crazy. It is the first time that Mulvaney has publicly spoken about Bud Light, calling them a company that they loved in a new post. During the video, they said that the trans and queer people are customers, too, before adding that turning a blind eye is an option. It's true. They are customers, too. They comprise less than, technically, they used to comprise less than 1% of the population. They're, like, literally, like, 0.04%. Oh, my gosh. These ads. Daily Mail makes me turn off my ad blocker so that they can thrust ads upon us, and it's ridiculous, and I hate it very much, but... Yeah, so here's the CEO defending his stance by taking no stance at all because you know what they say, if you don't stand for anything, you will fall for anything. Mulvaney said, one thing I will not tolerate is people saying about me is that I don't like beer because I love beer and I always have. Yeah, but you lost the can that started all this. Give me a break. Comments come after the U.S. CEO of Anheuser-Busch was slammed for failing to answer questions over the backlash on Wednesday. Brendan Whitworth refused to rule out partnering with Mulvaney and avoided answering how much the marketing blunder had cost Bud Light. Speaking to CBS Mornings, Whitworth was asked if he would send Mulvaney another can, knowing the backlash that it had sparked. Well, you probably should if Dylan lost the first can. It apparently isn't sticking. Good for them. The beer brand saw its sales drop 28.5% in the week ending June 17th, one of the worst weeks since the campaign aired in April. Yeah, so, I don't know. I can't help thinking that AB InBev deserves this from both sides. Just really, really good and hard forever, honestly, because they've just been cowardly on both sides. They've been cowardly. You're right. I mean, if you're going to advertise with Dylan Mulvaney, you need to stick up for them and take all the slings and arrows and just roll with it. Or you need to walk it back all together and apologize to all the people who used to buy your beer, which is something like 99.999.4% 
of the uh, 99.999994% of the population, something like that. Huge majority of your population are now like not interested. I'm pretty sure that drinking Bud Light will uh, change your sexuality. So, and he says, if you don't stand for nothing, you don't stand for anything. Yes, great work, G.W. Bush. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Serenko says histrionic personality disorder. Yes, ab- absolutely. Mulvaney, Mulvaney is an opportunist. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I don't think that, again, though, I kind of feel bad because I feel like what we're seeing with Mulvaney is just a deep lack of security in themselves. This is why they're changing their physical appearance to be something other than what it was. Stuart says there are demons for every deadly sin. That is certainly true. Not sure exactly what you're referring to there, but I completely agree. I want to talk next about this. We're going to talk some about blue cities and how the people are running these cities because there are some wild stories out today. We're going to touch on California. There are a couple different instances of California being terrible, um, but Gavin Newsom does appear to be waking up. So let's get into that. We're going to start in New York City, start on the East Coast. New York City woman, 84, who Eric Adams compared to a slave owner, is a tenant advocate who fled Nazis. Okay, so this happened earlier today, and they're going to give us full context, so let's read. The woman Mayor Eric Adams compared to a plantation owner during a fiery town hall exchange on Wednesday is a decades-long tenant advocate who's lived in New York City since she and her parents left Europe fleeing the Nazis. This is such a bad look for Eric Adams. Holy cow. Jeannie Dubnow, an assistant professor of biology at Rutgers University, told The Post that Adams' comments about her were merely deflection to avoid accountability for his policies. The main point is that the mayor has shown he's an enemy of all the rent-stabilized tenants in New York City. She was asking him a question about why rent is rising. Very valid question from anyone, regardless of your politics, in New York City. You know, Mayor Adams is a landlord and the enemy of tenants in New York City. He gets millions of dollars from real estate. That's the main issue here. During a town hall in the Gregorio Luperon High School for Science and Mathematics in Washington Heights, Dubnow interrupted Mayor Adams and accused him of responsibility for the Rent Guidelines Board voting to allow landlords to hike rent on rent-stabilized apartments for up to 6%. Who knows if that's true? Possibly not. I don't have anything against landlords. I think people who own property are perfectly entitled to earn money off that property. It's an investment they're making just because it requires other people to pay money to use it doesn't make them bad people. But here she is, evidently perturbed. Adams responded calmly. First of all, sorry, first, if you're going to ask a question, don't point at me and don't be disrespectful to me. I am the mayor of the city and treat me with the respect that would deserve to be treated. I'm speaking to you as an adult. Don't stand in front like you treated someone that's on the plantation that you own. Woo! Spicy fighting words. That is a really poorly weighed response. Holy cow. Adam's response was initially met with applause, but they became muted after his plantation owner comment, I'll say. Deb now told the Post she wasn't falling for the mayor's tactics. He didn't have an answer. She said, good for her. She's focused on what she was saying and not distracted by the personal insult. That was just deflection. That's all because he doesn't have any answers. He doesn't have any answers. He can't answer me. It's a deflection. He probably is aware how the entire tenant population and many working class people have turned against him with time. When he first answered, he said something about his own tenant. He's a landlord himself. He said, oh, I don't raise rent on my own tenants. Who cares about his own personal tenants? He's raising the rents on thousands and thousands of people in New York City. Deb now has been a volunteer 
tenant organizer since 1960 and currently the chairwoman of Riverside Edgecombe Neighborhood Association and Adams isn't the only New York City mayor she has publicly taken to task. Good for her. I think if you live in a community, you should be able to take every single one of your leaders to task. I don't care what your politics are. You should be able to go and yell at your politicians pretty much no matter what. If you disagree with them, if you have an issue with something they're doing, whichever side of the aisle you originate on, go talk to them. Take up your issue with them. That's America, baby. I understand you want to do the best thing. You want to build affordable housing, but a lot of us are very worried about your plans, she said in exchange to the New York Times, characterized as sharp. After Washington's exchange with Adams, Dubnow told the Post she would t- continue to call out the mayor as much as I can. The reason I went was because I thought we'd have the best opportunity to speak with him, which we did not, because the meeting was completely controlled by his people. And that's why I had to stand up and spontaneously speak. We weren't being called on. It was a person chosen by his people at each table who were going to speak. Debna was born in Belgium shortly after her parents fled the terrors of the Nazi regime uh, regime in Germany. Here she is taking him in t- to task. She does not look very happy. She, even if you find her annoying and obstreperous, she still deserves to have her voice heard. After hiding out in Belgium throughout World War II, Dubnow and her parents emigrated to New York City, where she had resided ever since. Spokesperson for Adams, Fabian Levy, stood by the mayor's comments at the town hall when contacted by the Post. The mayor's comments are the mayor's comments. We stand by the mayor's comments. He said, wow, okay. That's a little canned. The councilwoman, Sandy Nurse, a Democrat representing Brooklyn, said the mayor comment, mayor's comments to Dubnow were so disrespectful and agreed with her that Adams was accountable for the rent board's decision. The mayor appoints the rent guidelines board, so this board is a reflection of his values and his priorities, Nurse told the Post. Interesting. Good to know. We all get hard questions thrown at us, and there are times we feel flustered and frustrated because there's opposition to our points of view, but that's part of governing. See, that's true, too. This is one of the things that Eric Adams needs to be ready for if he wants to be the mayor, of especially of a city as boisterous as New York City. That reaction was an overreaction. It was very condescending. I just don't think it was justified by any measure. I think he should apologize to her. No matter how measured Adams' comments were Wednesday, they were just the latest ra- racially charged remarks from an increasingly thin-skinned mayor. Wow, interesting. Just a week prior to his plantation showdown with Dubnow, Adams claimed during a press conference that there was a racially motivated, coordinated effort to keep him from winning re-election. Okay. <laughs> There's a body of people here uh, who were pleased with 30 years without having a mayor that looked like me. He said they compared himself to a slave character from a novel and show and show roots who refused to abdicate his true name to plantation owners trying to beat it out of him. Give me a break. Could you be more dramatic? You literally are the mayor of one of the largest cities in the U.S. and you still are trying to play the victim. Please. Please. That's dumb. It's gross. I don't like it. We're going to see some race stuff over in California, too. But before we get there, we have another African-American character to discuss. Milwaukee State Senator says F the suburbs during a heated debate about crime spreading from major cities to quiet neighborhoods. In a moment, critics are comparing to Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables. Yeah, wow. Wow. Let's see Democrats try to win elections without suburbs. Democrat Latanya Johnson has come under fire after she said F the suburbs after an impassioned speech about gun control in the Wisconsin Senate. Her comments have split fellow politicians uh, in the Senate and one local journalist has called on her to resign. Yeah, seriously. Johnson had been debating the Republican state budget and had been speaking about crime spreading from cities to the suburbs. So let's see if we can get uh, context of her full. Okay, yeah. Milwaukee State Senator said F the suburbs. Latanya Johnson burst out with her remarks after a speech detailing crime in Milwaukee and gun violence in particular. 
At the end of her rant, the Democrat declared F the suburbs because they don't know a GD thing about how life is in the city. The shocking outburst drew widespread condemnation as compared to Hillary Clinton's 2016 gaffe when she labeled Donald Trump fans deplorable. Wisconsin Senate Speaker Robin Voss tweeted, Elected officials say dumb things occasionally, and when that happens, apologies are appropriate. Hint, 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 hint. Stuart Walker throws in, Who was the first slave owner in America? Just a little research for people. You'll be surprised. I certainly will not be. I happen to know that the first slave owner in the U.S. was actually an African-American gentleman, which probably would surprise most people. I do think that knowing that kind of history is good. I also personally recommend... Dan Carlin's five-hour diatribe about the history of slavery. I have not been able to listen to the whole thing yet. I went to listen to it on the drive down here from Boston, but we did not get around to it. Um, He goes into it deeply, and he said that people told him that he shouldn't, that it's not going to be as popular as some of his other shows. And for that reason alone, I wanted to give him a listen. Backing her speech, fellow Democrat Francesca Hong tweeted, Senator Johnson spoke passionately to defend the community she represents. Republicans who continuously weaponize and villainize the people of Milwaukee without accountability need to answer for constantly legislating racism. Okay, so let's talk about racism because a lady living in the center of the city is yelling at the largely white suburbs and saying, F them, they don't know anything about living in the city, okay? Don't tell me that that's not intentionally racist. Holy cow. Wild to me. Managing editor at the Wisconsin Law Journal, Steve Schuster, believes that Johnson is not fit for office after her remarks, for sure. In an editorial, Schuster wrote, State Senator LaTanya Johnson is not fit for office and Wisconsin deserves someone who loves Wisconsin. All of Wisconsin, rural, urban, and suburban. 100%. Crime in Milwaukee, down 33%. That's great. Up 29% for human trafficking. Up 1% for robbery, up for burglary, up for rape. Total crimes, though, are overall down 14%. Could be worse. Still have crime issues. Milwaukee's a big, really kind of crime-riddled city. But last night, the Associated Press tweeted, Senator Johnson said, F the suburbs because they don't know a GD thing about life in the city. What if a suburban senator said, F the city? How would that play in Milwaukee? Dialogues like this tend to not only be counterproductive, to the values of the senator's constituents, but also far out of alignment with the value of all Wisconsinites. Hate for the suburbs or anyone or any place in Wisconsin has no home here. Resign, Senator LaTanya Johnson. Wisconsin doesn't have the time for your hate and lack of civility. I think that's fair analysis. It follows a similar type, right? And they continue to compare this to Hillary Clinton's basket of deplorables comment. And I just have to say... I like when the mask slips like this because I think that a lot of people think this way. They just tend to keep it under wraps because they're politicians and keeping things under wraps as politicians is one of the things they're best at. Um, I welcome this kind of honesty. I don't like it. I think it's gross. I do think she should resign, but I'm glad to know what people actually think. We'll see how this works. We'll see how this plays out for them in the 2024 election, not least of which. Now, Speaking of race, we're going to move over to California. California's reparations task force releases a final report with over 100 demands that calls for an apology from the non-slavery state. There was never slavery in California, okay? But fails to reach a total compensation figure. And I read a statistic that said something like 89% of African-American people who live in California don't think that this is going anywhere. And I have to say they are probably right. 
Members of the task force, which has proved divisive for its suggestion of huge cash payments to black Californians, delivered their final report Thursday. The committee spent two years preparing the 1,200-page report, which members called a book of truth and likened to a, quote, sacred project. Oh my gosh, this is like Eric Adams' level of dramatic, but it has already faced criticism for draft proposals, which could have cost, which could have cost in excess of $800 billion. Let's see what California's total budget is. California state, whoops, budget. Total state budget. Come on. I just want the total state budget. What is the budget of the state of California? $310 billion. Okay, so... Yeah. $800 billion is more than twice the annual budget of the entire state of California. So I have to say, I'm going to have to agree with 90% of African American Californians and say this probably is never going to happen. The historic report, which has been two years in the making, was presented to state lawmakers after a fiery meeting in Sacramento where members of the task force said the document was, quote, a book of truth. But the report will arouse further controversy among opponents of reparations after it repeated eye-watering estimates for the cash value of inequalities faced by black people in California. This isn't going anywhere, but we keep hearing about it. It's infuriating. An executive summary of the 1,200-page report said that mass incarceration and over-policing of African Americans was equivalent to $228 billion. <sighs> the group did not put an overall figure on reparations in the document, but previously touted as much as $800 billion to be handed out to black people. Now, two things can be true at once. One, we could have an over-incarceration issue in this country. We could have a ridiculous war on drugs, including a war on marijuana, of all things, including sending people to jail for, and thanks to Kamala Harris, keeping them in jail unlawfully after their sentences were over, thanks to the war on drugs over things that were really not very harmful to anyone. Actual crimes should probably be prosecuted and should probably go to jail for things like rape and murder and robbery and all this other stuff that actually hurts people. Carrying a baggie of weed is not enough to be able to send people to jail, but it is a thing that some states did. If California did that, that's bad, but also it is not worth dragging into the reparations conversation. Instead of talking reparations, we should talk about actually fixing the black community and trying to heal some of the divides that white people who push through welfares, welfare policies on these black people did to destroy the African-American family and the marriage rate and all this other stuff. Really, really bad work on their part gracious let's see what they say at the end because the reparations tax force was established by california governor gavin newsom i bet he wishes he hadn't done that now after the murder of george floyd in 2020 newsom and state lawmakers must approve for a report before any reparations can be paid so he's just going to say no because he's going to be off to be running for u.s president but probably by the time this comes to any kind of conclusion san francisco supervisors are supposed to take out the proposal later this year but the currently, the currently is currently battling a separate set, uh, city. I would say the city is currently battling a separate set of problems, including an exodus of businesses in the downtown area, amid crime, homelessness, and drug abuse. Or, as CNN analysts assure me, it's because technology is dead, and also because of the pandemic. New York may soon follow California by creating a commission to examine the state's involvement in slavery and consider addressing present-day economic and educational disparities experienced by black people. So, New York City, definitely going to go the same way as California, and I can't help but think they truly deserve it after what Eric Adams said 
over the course of the last few weeks. Dip has found a lid and he's chasing it around on the floor like a hockey puck. So I hope you guys enjoy that sound. So Gavin Newsom, speaking speak of the devil, the shellacked devil who looks like a Ken doll. Listen to this headline. California Governor Gavin Newsom doubles the number of state police to crack down on crime and fentanyl dealing in San Francisco after his own business was vandalized and robbed half a dozen times. Beautiful. This is the way to get things done, is to make sure something like this happens to the actual politicians in charge of making these actual problems. Newsom has announced an expansion of a plan first set in motion in April. He will be sending more than 100 new CHP officers to the city. Democrats said his hospitality businesses in the city have been burglarized. That's right. Let me pause this. California governor. Democrats said the open air drug dealing in the city is, quote, unacceptable and that his own wine and hospitality businesses have been robbed. At least half a dozen times, the city goes through a crime and fentanyl epidemic. Wow, it's crazy. I wonder why this is happening. Is this maybe because you have a George Soros DA at the helm who is not prosecuting actual criminals? Newsom's Plump Jack Group Company, founded in 1992, owns three restaurants, wineries, a boutique hotel, and bars in San Francisco. The city's former mayor put the company in a blind trust when he became governor, which bans him from any involvement in its operations. Probably for the best. One of his wine shops, the Plump Jack Wine and Spirits Store, was targeted by burglars at least four times in 2021. My biggest gripe right now in San Francisco has been, frankly, we're not enforcing existing laws. We're not prosecuting the lawbreakers, judges, DAs, the whole panoply. I want to see people held accountable for breaking the law. Yeah. Interesting. Only when it affects him does he want to see held people held accountable. Shocking. So here we have a homeless person completely crashed out on the concrete. <sighs> Surrounded by bottles of alcohol, which, who knows, maybe they came by it from Gavin Newsom's store. As part of the new plan to tackle the city's overdose crisis, Newsom will increase the number of California National Guard members working in the city. Here we are doing drugs. Here's a syringe in someone's hand. The Democrats said the open-air drug dealing in the city is unacceptable. His plan is expansion of a previous project set in motion in April. Yeah, man, this is a way to make a difference. A map reveals the major businesses who have left or plan to leave San Francisco in recent months. Westfield, the most recent to announce its departure, will give up its huge mall, and several occupants have already said they intend to follow. Yeah. Stewart says, even us in Scotland dislike Newsom. He is a hypocrite of the highest order. He is. And I'm very sorry that you guys over in Scotland know anything about our politicians because they are some of the worst in the world. They are not as censorious as Scottish and Irish politicians and British politicians, but they are truly some of the most heinous and they will do nothing about any of these problems unless it personally affects them. So will any lessons be learned here? Probably not, but at least he's doing something about it now. I can't help feeling a little more optimistic about the state of California moving forward. I know a lot of conservative people live there. I feel like people kind of write off California as a liberal state, but California is a huge state. There are a lot of conservatives living there, especially up north, especially in Orange County. There are certainly enclaves of people who still think reasonably and rationally. So, Yesh says, I remember fun dip. Oh, I got your fun dip right here. He's trying to get under the door right now and go hang out with dad and dot, but he doesn't get to do that for a couple more minutes. Hang in there, dip. You got this. Anyway, all that to say, I just want to catch you up with all that's going on uh, in the world today. It's Some of it is terribly depressing stuff. 
I really don't love it, but it is never dull. So thank you guys very much for joining me. Thank you, Stuart, for all your generous super chats. Thank you, Adrian, for joining us in the chat. I appreciate that for sure. Um, we love to have Adrian in the show. I saw that they were going somewhere else from where they currently live. They're going super off grid. I'm super excited for them. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, she's really going to have to keep us in the loop though. I hope they still have really good internet so we can watch her live streams and see her comments on all of our chats because she is a great engaging audience member and we love having her there for sure. All right, you guys, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna go make dinner for Andy and see what he wants to do. Oh, Stuart says they are banning open air Christian prayers in Ireland. Yes. Yes. Don't worry. They are also arresting people for chanting Bible verses at pride parades here in the U S let me pull up that article real fast. Arrested. Oh my gosh. I cannot type pride. Let me see if I can find it. I just have man arrested while citing Bible verse in protest at pride event. Then video evidence sinks case. Fascinating. Let's see what this looks like. If I can. Yeah. Okay. Damon Atkins slapped with criminal charges of disorderly conduct and engaging in fighting. Charges were dropped against a self-professing Christian street preacher who was arrested citing the Bible in protest of an LGBTQ pride event in Reading, Pennsylvania. Damon Atkins was arrested June 6th for disorderly conduct, engaging in fighting, but the charges were dropped after an official reviewed evidence, video evidence, the Berks County District Attorney's Office said in a press release. So they were lying about what they were arresting him for, and the video came out and they had to drop the charges. So that's great news. I'm really glad that there was video there, but the similar kind of things are happening here, and they are looking at passing a bill in Michigan that makes it illegal to make people feel threatened, which is absolutely wild to me. <sighs> It's really fun. Not appreciating it. It's feeling more and more like the UK, which is not somewhere that I ever wanted to be. Hells and Hells Saint 28 says, am I here on time? You are and were here on time and I appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. Uh, you mentioned earlier on that you were here in time and now you say take care. So goodbye. I will see you all tomorrow. Until then. Bye guys. <laughs>